1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Stan Jastrzewski, news director of WFIU. And today we're going to review the Indiana General Assembly, uh, their 19 or their 2011 session. Uh, They should be concluding their work by midnight tonight. We'll be joined on the program by Pete Seat who is from the state Republican Party, and we hope to be joined by Jennifer Wagner from a Democratic consultant. We're having a little technical difficulty connecting with Jennifer, but we will get to her as soon as we can. You can join the conversation by calling us on 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. And you can join the conversation online at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Stan, always good to be with you. Good to be here. All right. And you've been following what's going on in the legislature very closely. Uh, I certainly
2: have, as has our uh, Indiana Public Broadcasting reporter, Brandon Smith, who's done... Yeoman's work for us this, this year, so we uh, owe a debt of gratitude to him for this program, I think, as well.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Pete, Pete Seat from the state Republican Party, good to have you on the program today. Uh, can you sort of sum up uh, for us how the Republicans are feeling about this session?
0: Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, I think we're all glad that it's going to end on time, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, despite the uh, the five-week hiccup we had there in, in late February and most of March. Uh, but, you know, we view this, uh, assuming all uh, the budget passes uh, this evening and all the legislation that has passed regarding uh, education and um, and other issues as a victory for all Hoosiers, uh, taxpayers, families, and students. This has been uh, a great session and and one of the most productive in recent memory. Uh, And I think we're going to find Indiana. Uh, We're already a national model, I think, for fiscal discipline. But I think we will become a national model for education improvement as well with the passage of charter legislation and, and the largest voucher, school voucher program in the nation. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's talk about where we are right now because the, the legislature is supposed to conclude by midnight tonight to be done on time. Um, the budget, tentative budget, was was agreed upon yesterday at 6 p.m. That's what you told me before we went on the program. So um, starting at 6 tonight, the the General Assembly could vote on the budget, correct?
0: That's what we're hearing, yeah. Mm -hmm. They are hoping to hopefully get out earlier than midnight, I think, is everyone's desire this evening.
1: Are there any any issues with the budget that you would point to as potentially sticking points tonight?
0: Well, I think the most important thing is that there are no tax increases in the budget, and that has been Governor Daniel's plan from the beginning, his vision from the beginning, uh, is to have another balanced budget, our fourth balanced budget since he has been governor, uh, to not have any tax increases on Hoosiers, because that affects a whole host of things. How how much money you have in your pocket, uh, how businesses um, uh, are are handled here in the state. We want to make sure that we have a great atmosphere for job creation, and, and taxes obviously play into that. So that's the most important thing from the Republican standpoint, and the budget that was presented and, and posted online yesterday does not have any tax increases in it. So I
1: expect it to pass. Okay, we've uh, been joined by Jennifer Wagner. Jennifer, thanks for being here.
3: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: All right, we had a little technical difficulty, so sorry that we missed you on the first couple minutes of the program. But uh, I asked Pete Seat to sort of let me know or give us give our our listeners. Um, his view on how the Republicans feel about this session, whether it was a successful session or not, I'm going to ask you to sort of sum it up from the Democratic standpoint, too.
3: Sure, ha- sure, happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, you know, from the Democratic standpoint, um, what who got out of this session is a very clear indication of what happens when Republicans are in charge of everything. We got no jobs plan. Um, we had a, an extreme fixation on social wedge issues, from you know immigration. Um, to the the birther movement. Um, And I think, you know, this is a little bit similar to what happened back in uh, 2005, 2006, um, when, again, the governor got a lot of what he wanted, uh, and he paid a political price for that. I think it's real important for people to realize that, you know, this session indicates uh, a a complete control by the GOP. And in Indiana, it's polite compromise. And one thing with respect to this budget process, you know, there hasn't been any because there hasn't used to be passed a budget, and this is what we're going to get. The only time that Democrats were able to put the Republican agenda down was by leaving and making them compromise on their anti-worker agenda.
1: Okay.
2: Stan? Uh, I wanted to ask both of you about the projected budget surplus, and I'd like to spend a little more time on the budget since it is such a big issue in this, uh, this particular session. Um, obviously, the governor has already decided he's going to allocate uh, a, a substantial sum of money to education to try to do things like fund full day kindergarten Um, which I'd like a response from each of you uh, and Pete we'll start with you uh, what do you think about the priorities in terms of using that surplus? Uh, you've heard uh, people like David Long and Brian Bosma say we don't want to use that money until we're sure we have it in our hot little hands to make sure we avoid any sort of you know, double-dip recession or anything like that. Um, so uh, I'm curious if you think that's a good idea. And, and then, Jennifer, from your side, uh, I'm wondering what you think Democrats would like to do with that, uh, with that surplus and when. But, uh, Pete, let's start with you.
0: Sure. Well, unlike our friends on the other side of the aisle, uh, we don't like to spend money we don't have. Uh, so I think they're, they're coming from the right side on this. And, and our fiscal discipline has proven to be the right track when the governor and, and Speaker Bosma and President Pro Tem Long made the announcement that you alluded to that another $150 million will go into the uh, education funding to ensure that full-day kindergarten expands across the state. And that's because we have been disciplined in our spending and ensuring that we uh, spend only that which we have and spend within our means. Uh, One thing I would like to add to Jennifer's um, uh, point, you know, Democrats keep railing on, you know, Republicans don't have a jobs plan, don't have a jobs plan. Uh, Democrats are convinced that the only jobs plan out there is to spend money we don't have. We saw this on a national level with stimulus spending uh, that did not result in the jobs that were promised. And it's the same type of thing they want to do here in the state. Of course, they have not released an agenda to say what they want to do. Um, they just you know, continually... Uh, protect and stand up for the status quo when Republicans are trying to move uh, move us forward, and you know education improvement is a jobs' agenda when education is better in the state, it attracts businesses to our state because they know that their employees are going to have top rate education. Reducing the corporate tax rate is a jobs agenda again. Businesses will want to start up here, will want to relocate here when they know that the state cares about job creation. And that's why we have created, uh, in 2010, twice as many jobs as as the national average. And, you know, for only having 2% of the population of the country, we have 10% of the jobs created in the past year. And I think that shows that these policies do lead to job creation.
2: Jennifer?
3: I I love it when my my good friend Pete rails on the stimulus I think it's real important for us to talk about the fact that, you know, while the governor and obviously the leadership wants to get up there and say, oh, look at our surplus, well, how, how do we get there? Um, part of it is because the governor accepted stimulus funding from President Obama. Uh, part of it is he weighted the rainy day fund. But a large part of it is because before the recession hit, you know, before people were fixated on, on you know tax increases, uh, the governor raised taxes. It's pretty simple. He, uh, he, get, he increased the cigarette tax. Uh, the sales tax, proposed raising the income tax, you know, help in North Indiana. The, the guy loves taxes. So we have money now, sure. But, uh, you know, I think it's important that people realize uh, why we have that money. And with respect to what Democrats would do with the surplus, I mean, I think that's probably a question for a for, uh, next gubernatorial debate. I'd be interested in, in uh, Mike Pence's uh, stance on that. But I think we're going to uh, we've always been the party of fiscal discipline in Indiana, de- Democratic governors for 16 years you know, put fiscal discipline first. It's not just a talking point for us. Uh, we don't try to, you know, make the last 18 months seem like the last seven years. So I think it'll be a real interesting debate next year, and, and obviously we've got some tough decisions ahead of us despite the, uh, the rosy announcements now.
1: All right. Uh, you're listening to a, a conversation about – the Indiana General Assembly. Uh, We have two guests on the program today, Pete Seat from the State Republican Party and Jennifer Wagner, a Democratic consultant, and they have definitely different points of view about how well well the General Assembly has done this year. If you want to join us on the conversation, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can send your comments to wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, Let's go back to education for a minute. Pete, you said that uh, you believe that Indiana will be seen as a national model for education reform, will we'll, we'll lead in education reform. And uh, Jennifer wasn't on the air yet when you were talking about that. So I wanted to get Jennifer's take on, you know, the Democratic perspective on the various uh, education bills that have passed.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, there's a conversation to be had about education reform. There's a, there's a conversation held nationally. I mean, you know, uh, recently we saw the Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan, with the governor on... On a stage in Indianapolis, talking about education reform, uh, let no one think these are Mitch Daniels' you know ideas, or, or that somehow his, his focus seven years into his administration on education is, is groundbreaking. These are these are ideas that have been talked about for years, and President Obama's made education reform a large part of his uh, his national domestic agenda. I think the problem with the conversation we had this session is that there wasn't a conversation. There was a lot of attacking of teachers and schools and unions, and there was a lot of you know, talk about, you know, accountability, and 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 no one ever actually reached out to these groups and brought them together. And in, in my mind, that's the governor's role. That's the job he has to do. Uh, it's something he's failed to do, you know, systematically in the past, whether it's on the toll road deal or the FSA deal. He just doesn't like to bring folks together. So what you wound up with was a bunch of people feeling like they were under attack, a bunch of people feeling like they didn't have a seat at the table. And so, again, that uh, you know, a, a GOP agenda that, you know, Put teachers uh, on the receiving end of a lot of insults instead of bringing them into the fold, and it's a it's a GOP rubber stamp plan. So I think there's a lot of room for conversation in the future, but I certainly hope uh, that we can have some leadership on
1: that. Well, Pete, could you respond to uh, to this idea? Because I, you know we've heard it from Jennifer, and I think we've been hearing it pretty much the whole session that the, the Republicans did have the numbers to sort of roll over the Democrats, and that there wasn't much uh, compromise, that there was an agenda and it was going to get done no matter what. Um, can you sort of respond to that? Were, were, were the Republicans uh, determined to just basically force their way to whatever agenda they had set up in their caucuses?
0: Well, it was resp- respecting the will of Hoosier voters. You know. This was presented to them during the fall of 2010. They went to the ballot box and gave Republicans a quorum proof majority in the Senate and an overwhelming majority, but not quorum proof in the House, a majority of 60 seats, um, and relegated Democrats to an ever shrinking minority. And so that's, you know, it's the assignment that we were given by Hoosier voters to balance the budget and to, uh, to implement education improvement. And, you know, I'm glad that Jennifer brought up. Arne Duncan's visit, because it, what's ironic about all this is President Obama and, and Arnie Duncan, the Secretary of Education, have been strong proponents of the ex- expansion of charter schools, um, which are, let's not be confused, are public schools. And in addition, uh, Governor Franco Bannon was the one that championed this originally here in Indiana, and yet uh, it was one of the top... I, agenda items uh, for the Democrats to derail was the expansion of charter schools, and we've seen studies. Stanford did a study that showed, on average, in Indiana, uh, charter schools perform better than their traditional public school counterparts. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's it's ironic. And and you know, Superintendent of Public Instruction Tony Bennett, who say teachers haven't been a part of the process, uh, has met with thirty thousand teachers across the state. is uh, constantly traveling, constantly uh, meeting with teachers in his office here in Indy and going to schools all across the state to gather input. And uh, unions, teacher unions, have, have enjoyed uh, spreading misinformation about what's going on this session when, in fact, you know, it was about making sure that great teachers are getting paid more, making sure we have a great teacher in the front of every classroom, because that is what each and every Hoosier student deserves.
2: Pete, I wanted to ask you something quickly about—you mentioned at the very beginning of your statement there the the will of the voters and whatnot, and yet— i 've heard that from a number of of republicans uh, from my time reporting at the State House this session at the same time Governor Daniels has said that things like the right to work bill and and other issues he would like to see put aside because they were not the issues that were run on, but yet they were the issues that were getting a lot of consideration from Republican leadership, and so there seems to be a disconnect from people within your own party that I speak to about what was run on versus what has been done in this session wouldn't you say
0: well <laughs> it's a good question and you know governor daniels has been uh clear from from the beginning uh, with respect to right to work uh the fact that it's not something he presented um, as part of the agenda in the fall of 2010, and he wanted to respect what Hoosiers voted on in that agenda. Um, and you know, if you go back a little bit to when the Democrats first walked out in uh, in late February, it was all about right to work, or so we were told. And then it ended up being a list of 12 or 11 bills, and then it ended up being whittled down to three and two and one. Um, they tried to make right to work um, this, this huge issue in the state when, you know, our focus was budgets and education and, and doing, again, what the will of, of Hoosier voters wanted. Uh, Democrats have been focused, unfortunately, on narrow special interests um, this entire session. It's who funded their all-expenses-paid trip to Urbana for five weeks. And we have been focused on, on doing our job and keeping our heads down and getting it done.
2: Now, Jennifer, let me ask you a question uh, regarding uh, some of these other issues. In terms of what Pete said about uh, Democrats trying to to derail some of these things, uh, again, I was sitting in the House chamber through a number of long uh, hearings where, you know, in many cases there were dozens and dozens of amendments that were brought up, very few of which, in some cases, in the estimation of the legislators who spoke on the floor, had any substance whatsoever. They were stall tactics, according to people I spoke to, on both sides, in some cases, um, what about the issue that the Democrats were obstructionist during this session, and and including the walkout?
3: Well, you know, I think uh, you know, obviously Republicans would label it obstructionism, but I would say, look, you know, when you're in the minority um, and you're in a in a body where you can break a quorum, um, and that's the way you have to get your your voice heard. Um, I think people, by and large, understand that that's the process, and, and I think that's a really important thing to remember with the legislative session. It's a process, and the reality is we're, we're having this conversation on April 29th, and we're going to adjourn sine die tonight uh, as planned. So, you know, everything gets worked out. Um, I certainly would like to have seen a little more compromise, but there doesn't have to be compromise. Um, you know, people... Elect Republican majorities in both chambers, but I will I would caution caution my friends on the other side of the aisle that you know 2010 was a bit of an anomaly election, and obviously you know it led to huge majorities, but um, Hoosier voters are not they're not largely partisan voters. It's a leans right state, but we are very moderate independent thinkers, and you know to think that 2010 is indicative of 2012 or 2008 was indicative of 2010, I would just uh, I would caution a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, before you go talking about, you know, a mandate from the people and this is what the people wanted, well, you know, if you'd asked the people, uh, do you want a session with no compromise? Do you want a session where Republicans dominate everything and can pass whatever they want to? My guess is, by and large, Hoosiers would say no. Um, so I think it'll be real interesting going into next year's election to see if there's a little bit of a uh, a reset on uh, on the Uber
1: majorities that uh, that Republicans hold right now. I want to follow up also uh, with Pete on the you know, the idea that uh, the Republicans were given an assignment by Hoosier voters. Um, I guess I could certainly go along with that on some of the bigger issues of the day, based on the campaigns and based on the majorities that you won. But I do want, but I do have to ask, you know, were you, do you believe that Republicans were given the assignment by Hoosier voters to pass a, a same-sex marriage amendment? Uh, or to defund Planned Parenthood or to have the most restrictive or one of the mo- more restrictive immigration laws in the nation, even though I know that one is probably not going to make it. But those were all bills that got a lot of a lot of press, a lot of publicity and a lot of uh, uh, consternation from, you know, your, as, I, as you might say, your friends on the other side of the aisle. And, and I, I just wonder uh, if, if you believe those two were assignments given by the voters.
0: Well, they get a lot of press and publicity uh quite frankly, because that's what the media wants <laughs> i mean it's a, in those issues um, there is a lot of national controversy, and of course, you want to try and uh, put a uh, a local lens on it and uh and make it fun for for your readers, subscribers listeners, viewers uh to follow the the legislative session it's It's not as fun to go through line by line the budget and talk about. Uh, you know, how much funding each office of, of the state government is going to get. Um, but these larger issues are, you know, to, to, for lack of a better word, more fun uh, to write about and, and read about. Um, so to your question, you know, the the mandate, I, I, I don't say mandate, I say the will of Hoosier voters. The, the agenda that was presented to them on education and the budget is an agenda that we have pushed forward. Um, obviously individual legislators can bring to the floor whatever bill they want to. Uh, Democrats were able to bring any amendments to the floor that they wanted to, and they get an up-or-down vote. Um, and, you know, in a Republican majority, some legislation that is not that was not on the agenda will more than likely get passed. I think some of the, the pieces that you brought up were on Speaker Bosma's um, agenda for the session. But, you know, we talk about – I talk about the will of Hoosier voters – I, I think it's a fair question to ask the other side um, if they believe it was the will, and I think Jennifer would say yes, but it's important for people to hear this, if it was the will of, of their constituents uh, to bring the process to a screeching halt and cost Hoosier taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars for five weeks while they camped out in in Illinois and and really, you know, people elected their representatives to come to Indianapolis and do a job, not to run away from it when it's not going the way you want it to. This is not a playground where we can go cry in the corner. If you have a debate that you want to have, let's have it on the floor of the House of Representatives or the floor of the Senate and do the job that everyone was elected to do. You're not going to win every vote. And, you know, back when Democrats were a majority, they didn't want to compromise on anything then. They felt they had a majority. And if they were going to have deficit spending in our budgets, well, they were going to darn well do it, and they did. So I think that's important to remember, and, and polling, um, you know, our uh, the House Republican Caucus Committee here, their, the political arm here, did a, a poll, and a vast majority of Hoosiers were opposed to the walkout. Uh, so that's something that, you know, I, I would like to hear Jennifer talk about. Jennifer? Yeah, I think there are a lot of issues uh,
3: in that, that that lengthy diatribe that Pete just went on. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to compare the Republican, you know, wedge issue agenda, the divisive issues, to Democrats standing up for middle class losers. I just I that is just not even a fair comparison. The Republican, you no, know, uh, social issues agenda this session, which has by far trumped anything else, and it's not because the media find it fun. I find that kind of a repugnant argument as a former reporter, but you know. I, it's not fun. There's nothing fun about an agenda that persecutes people or that treats people differently. There's nothing fun about an agenda that, you know, makes us unwelcoming for new businesses and, and, and people who might be looking to move here. There's nothing fun about that. So I find that a little disturbing. Um, but, you know, regarding a walkway, it's a process. And Democrats did what they had to do to force Republicans to pay attention Hoosiers, which clearly the agenda that wasn't quite on the radar before uh, before we uh, left the State House. And I think we did what you know what our lawmakers is there to do. Stand up, little class hoosiers and make sure that their rights were represented in the State House. And if you went to the State House, you know, any of those days uh, when our was sure were and House, you know, days, uh, our do, uh, in Illinois and, and trying to work out a compromise with Republicans, there were thousands of people there. And I know he likes to call them a special interest, but those are real live people with real good paying jobs, you know, in Indiana, don't want to see their wages slashed, don't want to see their bargaining rights uh, undermined. And they showed up there to send a message to Republicans, Hey, look at us, feel we're here, we're very concerned about the direction we're taking our state. And you know what? And the ad it work. Hey,
2: Pete, I wanted to ask you a question about something that uh, Jennifer mentioned earlier. She said that... uh it was her belief. And I'm, I'm curious, just a, a, a quick yes or no answer will suffice. And depending on what I get, I, I may have a follow up. Uh, she said <laughs> she said uh, that she thinks Hoosier voters are interested in, in independent thinking and thinking for themselves and and, and perhaps uh, uh, in in doing some more research and getting some more information about the, the topics before they make decisions on things rather than looking at them from a strictly partisan point of view. Would you agree with that statement?
0: Well, that's why the agenda was presented to them in the fall of 2010. Um, and, and again, it goes to, to the question asked about right to work. All right, g- where, g- just
2: for a second, just give me yes or no. Do you believe, do you believe that, that that characterization of Hoosier voters is correct?
0: I think the characterization that we are a, a right-of-center state uh, is, is accurate. And, you know, if you look at electoral results, Hoosiers have voted for Democrats statewide. They voted for Republicans statewide. Uh, whoever brings the, the better ideas to the table at the time, um, will win the day. And that has been, by and large, the Republican Party. Um, but if I could point out just one thing, uh, I, Jennifer's connection isn't all that great, so it's hard, I haven't been able to catch everything she said. But um, she she pointed out you know these protests that were happening uh, at the State House throughout the period of the walkout leading up to it and, and during it, and all these people that were coming out and saying – Saying they stood, they stood up with the Democrats who were hiding out in Urbana. Uh, what she doesn't point out is that a very sizable number of those people were from out of state. Um, we have photographs of of these folks in jackets from uh, unions outside the state. You know, Missouri, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, uh, Ohio, in some cases, uh, that were coming here. They were not Hoosiers. They were not fighting for Hoosiers. Uh, this was narrow special interest. And the entire time they were in Urbana, Illinois, was funded by out-of-state special interests, and that is a fact that's in uh, their financial disclosure reports. So that's, that's really a bone of contention here where you know Republicans took what Hoosier voters said at the ballot box and, and worked to enact those policy, policies and get them signed by the governor. Democrats were fighting for the special interests that financed their political operations.
1: All right, Pete and Jennifer, we're going to have to take a short break. We, uh, we're really enjoying the conversation with, with you. Uh, I think our listeners are. I know our listeners are, too. You're listening to we'll be We'll be right back.
2: This is Noon Edition on WFIU.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times, along with Stan Jastrzewski from WFIU. And today we're talking about the Indiana General Assembly, which is scheduled to conclude its work tonight. Joining us uh, by phone are Pete Seat from the state Republican Party and Jennifer Wagner, a Democratic consultant. If you want to join us on the program with your questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811 or toll free 877-285-9348. Or you can go to the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition.
2: One of the things I I think, guys, it's hard to do in, in a session like this when there are so many issues is show how things connect to one another. And that's one of the things that we as reporters here in this town, both at the HT and at our newsroom here, uh, it, that's one of the things we strive to do and uh I wanted to talk about you know the issue of jobs and the issue of some of these uh social issues that have come up um uh Pete earlier you said that uh, you know reducing corporate tax rates in the state is a, is a jobs plan uh, as far as the uh, Republican plan is concerned and um I actually it I got to thinking the other day about jobs and especially about the planned parenthood defunding uh you know Jennifer said that uh Hoosier voters are independent-minded and will, will vote different ways. You admitted that, you know, sometimes they vote for Republicans, sometimes they vote for Democrats. And I wondered, I heard Eric Turner the other day say that uh, he thought the Planned Parenthood vote uh, to reduce the federal funding would make, and these are his words now, uh, Indiana one of the most right-to-life states in the union, or if not the most right-to-life state in the union. And I wondered, you know, if you're trying to bring businesses into Indiana, would that make it seem in some ways like Indiana is not necessarily welcoming to everybody or welcoming to people who want to offer generous health plans, for instance, to their employees? And of course, we know that there are many Indiana companies that are lauded for having really great health plans. Indiana University, where where I work, being among those employers. How does that how do those two things, the the jobs issue and some of the social issues, Pete, do you think work as far as the way the Republican agenda has transpired and what's about to, to pass at the end of the session here?
0: Well, you know, I had the uh, great privilege of spending the majority of the 2010 election cycle on the road in Indiana with uh, then former senator, now current senator, Dan Coats, uh, traveling to every corner of the state, little towns, big towns uh, large cities and talking to business leaders, uh, folks that were looking to expand their operations, uh, in Indiana, folks that, uh, had relocated their operations to Indiana. And the big thing that they care about is, is the economy and how the state is going to treat businesses, uh, what tax rates will be, what the education picture will be. Um, They want to know that there is some certainty. On a national level, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to taxes and the corporate tax rate and even personal tax rates. But on the state level, we've had uh, a lot of stability and we've been able to increase Indiana's position as a leader in business uh, creation over the past couple of years because of Governor Daniels and our Republican members in the legislature's leadership. Um, On The the other stuff that you mentioned does not – typically come up in those conversations um you know you're going to have time more than likely in in a long session um to deal with with a lot of issues as you said but when it comes to businesses creating jobs in this state they're focused on on the bottom line the bottom dollar and how that's going to affect their their ability to create jobs.
2: You know, it's funny, when I talk to mayors around here, and I was just talking with Fred Armstrong from Columbus about this the other day, because he's having visitors in from companies he visited in Asia on a trade mission at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you know what the number one thing is that people ask me about when they're thinking about investing in Columbus? He said, the number one thing is, how are the schools? How is the education? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which Mm -hmm. would seem to run counter to what you're saying, you know, that's not what's the business climate, it's what are, the, what are the ancillary factors to moving to Columbus, Indiana versus moving to Columbus, Ohio?
0: Well, I did mention schools when I was, uh, when I was talking there, and I, I mentioned earlier in the program that education is a jobs agenda, because you want to ensure that these businesses see that you have a top-rate uh, educational system, and expanding charter school opportunities across the state helps us do that. Ensuring that there's accountability when a when a school is failing, we'll shut it down. That happened here in Indianapolis. Mayor Greg Ballard uh, saw that one of the charter schools here was not living up to its charter to teach children, and they're shutting it down next year. Uh, same with with vouchers. You know, Jennifer uh, in, in her last response talked a lot about middle class Hoosiers. Well. Our agenda is helping all Hoosiers, but if you want to talk about low- and middle-class Hoosiers, um, if you want to you know, try the class warfare argument, the voucher program that passed and, and I'm sure will be signed by Governor Daniels is targeted to low- and middle-class Hoosier families, the ones that don't necessarily have the financial means if a traditional public school is not meeting their needs and they don't have the financial means to go to another school that may be better suited for them, they will now have that opportunity under this legislation. So if they're really fighting for middle-class Hoosiers, as they claim to be, this should be one, one of the top priorities for them to help those families have better educational opportunities.
1: All right. Our phone numbers again, eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight 811 877 877-285-9348, slash noon edition. Jennifer, we are going to get back to you in a minute, but I want to follow up with the same the question, too, because I think... If I think I I know what Stan was getting at, and I, I want to ask it a little different way, Pete. Um, you know, you've talked about the, you know, the, your economic development agenda, or your certainly your your agenda on uh, the economy. Um, you've talked about education; those things would certainly would encourage job growth and jobs to come to Indiana. But I I th- what I what I was getting from uh, Stan's question. Was you know how do you how do you put those together with the same-sex marriage amendment, defunding Planned Parenthood, the social agenda that you had? Because it seems to me that Arizona, with its immigration law, took a fairly substantial hit in its economy uh, after it passed their the restrictive immigration law. Yet Indiana was considering left, your, your agenda was considering a similar bill. And then you talk about you know, you, you have talked about uh, being welcoming to all. That your agenda was welcoming to all Hoosiers, um, you know, a same-sex marriage amendment, which would also have restrictions on same-sex benefits at places like Cummins, uh, Engine, Indiana University. I, I think, and Stan can certainly speak for himself, but I think that was a little bit of where he was coming from is, okay, you've got these two really big issues that you're talking about, but if, if Indiana is seen as a great place to do business, but a bad place in terms of social policy... By the larger nation, how do those things merge together?
0: Well, I think I think you would, if you looked at at polling. I haven't seen anything recent, but I would assume that a vast majority of Hoosiers uh, agree with these uh, items that have have passed or, or are on are on their way towards passage. You know, I have been following the immigration issue, um, not probably as closely as as some others, but, you know, it it looks like if it does pass, it will be uh, more targeted and geared towards businesses and the E-Verify program um, to ensure that businesses are not hiring uh, illegal immigrants. Um, I also assume that I probably won't – we'll have to agree to disagree on this issue. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we, we are fortunate in this state that we have weathered the financial storm the economic recession storm uh, better than most others if not if not the the top of that list uh, in a number of areas and turning the deficit that democrats left us with when governor daniels took office and turning it into a surplus in job creation and being a leader in the country and that as i mentioned earlier two percent of the population but ten percent of the job growth and so now there is some time, as there has been in this session, even though we had a five week uh, stalling period by the other party uh to address some of those other issues and again if 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 you if you talk to Hoosiers uh these are important issues to them
1: uh pete let me let me make sure that I tell you that it's not whether you and I agree or disagree <laughs> but but these are these are issues that you know as editor of a newspaper, I see. Dozens and dozens of letters to the editor, and emails, and comments from our comment line, and whatnot. And these are issues that seem to be. Uh, these are the kinds of points that are brought up in Bloomington, which admittedly is a little different part than the rest of the rest of Indiana. But, <laughs> you said it, not me.
0: <laughs> right, that's right.
1: And I'll stick with it. Okay, we're going to go to the phone, and then we're definitely going to get Jennifer back on. But Drew's on the phone. Drew. Hi, my
4: name is Drew Robertson. I'm from Columbus. I want to preface my comment by saying that I am not a member of any party. Having said that, I have to say that your Democrat representative today is really earning her pay because uh, in certain cases she's trying to defend the indefensible and she's doing about the best job she could about it. When she says that Democrats have been a voice for fiscal responsibility in our state, I have to wonder if she's been living in Indiana because I recall that 16 years of Democrat uh, governors being a time we came out of which in fiscally poor shape. Coming out of the last recession, uh, Indiana was not in good shape, and I believe Mitch Daniels was elected precisely on the promise to turn those finances around. When she uh, mocks Mitch Daniels for attending to education only in the last two years of his administration, well, my impression is that Mitch Daniels has always been uh, concerned with education, but the agenda was never advanced because it was clear that Democrats in the legislature were intransigent regarding these issues. And finally, regarding uh, quorums, uh, I, I disagree as a voter that quorum, using a quorum to halt progress is not part of the process. Quorums exist to prevent majorities from doing... Um, uh, from using subterfuge, from holding secret meetings, secret votes, etc. They're not there to halt the legislative process. Thank you.
1: Alright, Drew, thanks a lot for your call. Jennifer, you want to respond, please? Sure
3: thing. Well, Drew, I, I, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've got same Nonpartisan, non-partisan voter. Uh, the Republicans walk out to block, out, block certain uh, parts of uh, past sessions, but uh, I, I think um a couple of points. Um, Mitch Daniels did focus on education in the first term. Uh, he focused on it because he actually did a really a really clever bait and switch that most voters are unaware of. It also leads to how he can say he has a surplus now in uh, that the state took over school funding and the school funding formula is, you know, widely joked as uh, something that only four people used to understand. And if, if, heaven forbid, they'd all been in the same room and killed, we would not have been able to fund our public schools. But he took it over and the state does all the public school funding, but lo and behold, local school districts find themselves starved for cash these days, because he kept a lot of the money. Um, it's an interesting way to balance the budget on the, on the backs of local governments and schools, and, you know, it certainly worked so that he can say he has a surplus. But if, if you want to talk about his focus on education, that was largely it uh, in that first term. And, you know, it's interesting, obviously there's a primary election on Tuesday, and across the state there are some referenda on the ballot... Uh, that aren't going to get a lot of, uh, you know, probably a lot of media coverage, but about you know school fundings and, and school districts that need uh, cash because they, they literally can't afford to uh, to run transportation. They've cut sports teams, and if you want to talk about the quality of an education system, I think that's that's integral to it. And if you can't fund it, then uh, it's going to be very hard to recruit businesses to it. Per Pete's earlier point, um, you know, and to the point of it, standing up for for middle-class Hoosiers and, and, uh, you know, the the walkout. Um, Look, it's what Democrats were forced to do with a Republican overreach on an agenda that they were not given from the voters of Indiana, that they assumed they had. And one of the interesting, if you step back and look at this session from a 30,000-foot political observer standpoint, is, you know, the governor has had no control over his own party. Said he didn't want right to work, said he wants a social truce, doesn't want to deal with all these distracting wedge issues, and yet Republicans continue to do it, uh, specifically House Republicans, but some in the Senate as well. So I think there's a, you know, obviously Drew wants wants us to believe he's a nonpartisan voter, and I take him at his word, but, uh, you know, Democrats did what they had to do this session, Republicans did what they wanted to do this session. And I think time will tell, especially the 2012 election, the, uh, the story of uh,
1: 2011. All right. We have to go back to the phones now. We have Dave on the line. Dave? Hello. Hi, Dave.
4: Um, you know, I feel that this legislative session introduced us to the Republican radical right wing and, and what the world would look like if they really ran the show. And I also believe that they've lost the center. And I think these are the folks that actually decide our elections.
0: Thank
1: you. All right, Dave. Pete, you want to uh, respond to that?
0: Well, first, uh, I also want to thank Drew for the call because I, I thought it was uh, very succinctly put and better than I've put uh, most of my answers this afternoon, so so thank you. Um, and and one point, you know, Jennifer was talking about uh, uh, education funding, I believe, and, you know, it was, so one thing that is lost frequently is that Indiana, as a percentage of the budget, puts more money in education than any other state in the union and the other side of that is throwing money at a problem doesn't make it go away which is why these education improvement agenda items are so important. Um, and to to the last caller, you know, obviously he comes from a, uh, a, a left-wing partisan viewpoint Um, and, you know, calling the agenda radical, which has been a a Democrat talking point this entire agenda. Uh, But I don't see anything radical about making sure Hoosier students have every educational opportunity uh, to make sure that they can compete in a global society. And and anyone that thinks that's radical, I think, is misguided.
2: It's interesting you you bring up the education funding issue, Pete. I I went to a really interesting um, Ways and Means Committee hearing at near the beginning of the session, in which uh, Superintendent Bennett was testifying. And he had this great graph and it was really clear uh, you know he showed funding going down over the last 2 to 4 years and he showed high step scores at the same time over the same 4 year period going up uh, and you know there were there were numbers brought in that showed that that was the case and I caught him outside and I said hey I I I really was interested in your graph and I asked him I said how long do you think that can continue going that way, where we can continue to have sort of declining money spent on education and and still see this increased efficiency that leads to better I-STEP test scores. Um, what do you think the overall view of the Republican Party is on that same question in terms of what do you think, if you had a bunch of money to spend, um, and, you know, let's say we continue, cross our fingers, continue to have budget surpluses, what would... The Republicans like to spend on education, being that it is fifty percent of the budget. If you had uh, a magic wand and you could say, "Here's the amount of money we're going to give," do you think you'd you, you would see the Republicans uh, give more and more money to education if it was there?
0: Well, I, I've also seen the inverse graph, which I think goes to your point uh, over overall nationally since 1970s, I believe, 60s, 70s, if I recall, where Overall, education funding has increased exponentially, yet test scores have decreased. Um, so you have that inverse on a national level. Uh, I, I think the the goals you see in that hundred and fifty dollar or hundred and fifty million dollar uh, excuse me an additional uh, funding that is targeted towards full day kindergarten and teacher merit pay. And I, I think if uh, additional dollars were to go into education, they should go to the classroom. They should go to ensuring that our great teachers are paid more. Um, I think we can all agree that teachers are, are you know, woefully un- underpaid for the great work that they do, and by removing the tenure-based seniority system and ensuring that teachers are, are paid based on an evaluation process and showing that they are proving their grade, just like students have a grade, teachers should have a grade too. Um, That they should be paid better. And and if we have the funds to do that, uh, I think that's where we would try and target them.
2: That said, why why a bill to limit teacher collective bargaining, which I think it's understood, has led to higher wages for teachers over time?
0: Well, the, the collective bargaining bill limits it to wages and benefits. Um, the parts that are that are we're ensuring will not continue um, are you know what color is the teachers' lounge going to be painted? Um, when can staff meetings be after school, and how long can they be? There have for long been shackles on administrators who are trying to do a job and ensure that their schools uh, are are adequately prepared and teaching children at the best the best way they can. And why does it matter if these, the teacher's lounge is, is yellow or green or blue or brown? It shouldn't. What matters is what's happening in the classroom, and and that's why that uh, that legislation is
1: so important. Jennifer, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the collective bargaining bill, or you've not been on much this last half hour, so anything else you have heard that you want to comment on?
3: Sure, I appreciate that. Um, well, Look, I think it's a cute talking point to talk about the, the painting of the teacher's lounge, and, and obviously that resonates with people, but, you know, what we've seen more than even just the attack on collective bargaining for teachers is just an overall anti-worker agenda from the GOP that, that it, it tends and I know, it's, I know it's really funny, and, you know, these little examples are, are cute, but, you know, these are people who dedicate their lives to teaching our students, our children, and, you know, to try to strip them of their rights um, to bargain for, for salaries, um, for benefits. It, it, it just, I don't understand it. Um, it, it seems like the GOP really enjoys, you know, large groups of people who band together on certain issues when it's, say, a Tea Party rally, but heaven forbid our teachers or our public servants or our firefighters and police officers do the same. So that's, it's, it's just a little disturbing to me, um, that, you know, that's just become a, a back and forth with talking points. Um, but, you know, I think that was one of the, the key sticking points in the negotiations um, that came out of uh, of the walkout. And um, I, I think the bill that is going to be passed is certainly better than the bill that was going to be passed. But um, we have a lot of work to do in, in educating folks on why it's important that these rights exist. Um, and I think, again, the, the rallies at the house um, certainly sent a strong message. And I, I do want to get back to that. Because I know pete has been spinning his wheels trying to, to, you know, plant this idea that somehow, uh, you know, the, the walkout was paid for by out-of-state contributions. And it, it, at the end of the day, I guess it's real hard to read these FEC and these state, federal, uh, state and federal finance reports. But we had more than 850 individual donors who gave to the Indiana Democratic Party in support of what Democrats, uh, what Democrats did in leaving the state and uh, standing up for middle-class Hoosiers. And I just really wish we could put to rest these, I'm going to go with borderline, uh, they're certainly erroneous, but uh, just misinformation on that. Um, It was actually a really proud moment for us to have that kind of support coming in for our lawmakers. But moreover, um, it was a wake-up call for Republicans, and I would just really appreciate it, Pete, if you would stop spreading that that lie around town. It's just it's getting a little old.
0: Well, guys, sorry for me to uh, to jump in here, and I, I know we're we're rounding out our time. Uh, together this afternoon, but I I do have to on that point. Uh, The one part that she is uh, misleading on and leaving out is that during the month of March, of those individual contributions, 68% of them were from out-of-state California, Wisconsin, Minnesota, New York, British Columbia, of all places. And for the entire period of the walkout, the entire five weeks, um, I believe it's 54 or 56% were from out-of-state. So uh, it's good that she's proud that out-of-state uh, people were supporting their walkout more than Hoosiers were supporting their walkout. I think that says something again to the narrow special interests that they were fighting for for those five weeks.
3: Well, and you know, let's let's. You want to trade numbers? That's fine. I mean, I'm sure you can crunch the uh, crunch the math. It's hard for us flacks to do it, but uh, you know, uh, I think the number is somewhere around 24,000 in individual contributions, and 18,000 of that came from 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 Hoosiers and. At the end of the day, you know, you keep changing your story, and that's fine, but uh, look, these are individuals who stood united with what our folks are doing here to make sure that your party, Republicans, didn't get their way, their way or the highway in the Indiana General Assembly. And ultimately, y'all had to do uh, what you had to do and come to the table and compromise, and that's what I think Hoosiers want to see their legislature do, and I think that's what's going to be a very telling characteristic of next year's election. And uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of a movement back to the center where people can come and come to the table and, and talk about these issues like adults and not have you know, all the barbs slung at each other um, where we can actually have some compromise and negotiation. And quite frankly, I look forward to it. I'm a pro-business, moderate Democrat, and I really Think this session uh, was indicative of the kind of state we don't
1: necessarily want to live in. All right, you know what? We're out of time. We had both Stan and I had last, last minute questions, but you guys were doing so great. We just wanted to listen to you. So I just want to thank our guests today: uh, Pete Seat from the Indiana Republican Party, Jennifer Wagner representing the Democrats. She's a Democratic consultant. Uh, for Stan Justrepski, engineer uh, Dan Goldblatt, and our producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.